Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 322nd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that savors the moment while exploring the bearscape of the true north, strong and free. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. Super glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on the agenda this week? We've got four amazing segments lined up, James. First, we're going to talk about the metagame and review online. Uh, We've got a modern challenge and a pioneer challenge to talk about. Then we're going to move into segment two, the top movers in paper and the top movers online. Uh, In segment three, you and I have some cards to watch, including a spicy reader pick. And then we're going to get into a little discussion of the secret lair that we got told about, the pride version that's going to come out uh, in two weeks. You mean we're not going to invalidate a 50-year-old landmark Supreme Court decision? Listen, man, uh, I only have so much room for foolishness and tomfoolery, even as a high school teacher, and uh, leaking this stuff just shows uh, how far we have left to go, because uh, it is atrocious, and I'll get mad, and I'm going to start ranting and spitting and spewing if you let me talk about uh, stolen Supreme Court seats and the will of the people that isn't being used, and uh, let's just, I, ju- I just want to move on, if, if, you, if you don't mind. I think we can both agree we'll just leave it at women should have complete control of their bodies. I mean, that is a baseline that is, that should be very difficult to argue with. And In, in 2022? You know, I, I, the, apparently. The future? Uh, I don't, it just, it bums me out so hard that like the Supreme Court won't mandate masks, but they will mandate that people cannot get. Uh, the medical care that an abortion represents. Yep. Alrighty, so let's uh, dive in uh, on this modern challenge from May 2nd. You want to walk me through what happened there? Uh, Modern challenge uh, looked real good with uh, Four Color Omnath taking it down as well as being second place. We had a sweet black-red mid-range list. Uh, Any list that's playing a bunch of uh, discard and Douthy Voidwalker just makes me happy. Um, I've seen a lot of people misplay Dothy Voidwalker in Commander because you get one card. You don't get to cast all the cards. <laughs> it's a good card. It's not that broken, everybody. But like two mana, three uh, three power shadow, and it has the exile clause. And if for some reason uh, you can't get in as with a 3-2 shadow creature... You can get the card of whatever you exiled from them. Uh, three Blood Moon in the main on this one, too, which is uh, a card we haven't seen a lot of 
we were talking about this in the Discord. I don't know if you saw this, but like all of the free elementals just make Blood Moon look bad. You know what I mean? Well, and and Boseju didn't do it any favors either. Also Boseju, also um, the one element, the force of which is the green force vigor. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just... endurance, endur. Sorry, endurance. Oh, no. oh, you mean the one that destroys artifacts and enchantments? Right. You just pitch yes. a green card force, and yeah, just... force of vigor. Yeah, force of vigor. So Blood Moon, you know, is still gonna get you some wins, but uh, this deck is sweet. And then uh, we had a Yogmoth deck, a Living End deck. Uh, in seventh, another Yogmoth, Mono Green Tron, always a, a spicy one to see Tron. But this this Calibrated Blast deck. Do you remember what Calibrated Blast did before you looked it up? Like like I vaguely knew. It's it's one of the many cards that didn't get put in a top loader when I was sleeving up Modern Horizons two specs and uh, collector booster box breaks. It it's one of like seven or eight cards that I flagged flagged early as well. This looks like. A pretty nasty magic card but it was it's essentially worthless i think foil uh old border foils of it from mh2 collector boosters are something like two dollars um even after this the deck doing well over the course of the last week so modern horizons 2 is the gift that keeps on giving it has at least 25 cards that have top aided in modern since the set's release and i wouldn't be surprised to see another 10 or 15 get there in not too long and the ones that aren't on that list are on the amazing cards and commander list i had the displeasure of playing against Chatterfang last weekend that's a pretty nasty commander all right so calibrated blast two and a red instant reveal cards from the top of your library till you hit a non-land put all the revealed cards on the bottom in a random order and when you reveal a non-land it deals damage equal to that card's mana value to any target so this deck is playing four play sets of Autocathon Worm at 15 mana, Emrakul at 15 mana, Scion of Draco at 12 mana, and Shadow of Mortality at 15 mana. So you've got 12 hits at 15 damage for two and a red. And then you've got four more hits at 12 damage. One of the things that turns this deck on um, is the presence of the Shadows of Mortality just existing out of Streets of New Capenna. The other thing is that uh, New Capenna coughed up the additional tri-lands that make uh, it easier to cast your Draco on turn two and have whatever colors you need, all five, basically, on turn two. You could always do that, but now you just have more options depending on what colors your deck happens to need beyond that. And so what they're looking to happen here is the opponent is going to fetch at least once because it's modern. So that's going to put them at 19 or 17. And then you're going to hit him once with Draco, Draco on turn three because he cast it on turn two. And then on the following turn, you're hoping to blast and hit them for 15. That is exactly the plan. And it is a beautiful thing. So they don't... It's kind of a glass cannon deck. Probably plays a lot like the six or seven other decks that are kind of in this category where if you find the one specific card you're usually in in business and if and if you don't and in this deck it's it's a lot easier to not hit because you have 40 lands or something in the deck 38 yeah so if they say have their first calibrated blast countered they can go a lot of draw steps without hitting anything every once in a while they can cast shadows of mortality and actually attack um (laughs) Uh, or block, as the case may be. And they do have Throws of Chaos, a Modern Horizons 1 card, 
um, that was also kind of likewise ignored that has cascade and is it rebound that lets you cast it off retrace land? yeah retrace lets you discard a land and then cast it from your yard so you can do that as your fifth and sixth copies i think of of the blast um, i don't know that this deck is going to storm the walls of modern but i suspect it'll be the kind of thing that'll pop up in a top eight once or twice a month like it has no defense against counter spells there is no like random uh one drop spells in here to like um there's no pact of negation there's no um what's the the new blue one that gives you two new treasures or no swan song there's there's nothing there is uh, an offer you can't refuse. An offer you can't refuse. There is um, a couple of what's the land that does it? Um, oh, there's three Poseju who shelters all in the sideboard, and you know you can pay yourself two more life to uh, get that one mana. But um, this this is a fascinating deck. Like the sideboard has uh, three consign slash oblivion. And three and four crime slash punishment because that puts the converted mana cost uh, higher on these, you know, because now yeah. we add them up. So at I, least you're I watched for seven or eight. I watched popular streamer Doomwake um, take down a mono. It was either humans or soul sisters. I didn't catch the first part of the game um, before they took him out, but it was like they had two Burtonton soul. Uh, tenders on the board which should have pr protected them from the blasts that were forthcoming and with two on board you'd think that that wake's deck would be dead in the water but he just used crime and punishment to sweep the board and then hit him with the blast punishment seems like a really good card in modern right now x black green destroying each artifact creature and enchantment with converted mana cost x that seems pretty good except for the stupid elementals it's it's pretty similar to hidetsku's uh saga right from neon dynasty that has been used in similar ways to clear one drops like esper sentinel ragavan etc so uh I, uh I dig this deck i like coming at things from a new angle and as long as you can avoid the heavy counterspell decks this is, is going to do some work like you said and of course, anytime you see a deck like this pop up on the radar, it's not going to be the calibrated blast that was published last summer that's going to take off super hard. It's going to be the cards like Autothon Worm that have only ever had one foil printing. Right. Which is indeed what's happening. Like those are draining out and basically don't exist. So um, I'm not sure I'm going to. It's not the kind of tail of the dragon I like to chase, but. If you've got if you it, sell it. Have those, yeah, if you happen to have those sitting around, you got it. You have an exit. And it's entirely possible that you'll see. Uh, old border foil scions start to inch up here on the back of this deck. Yeah, also, it doesn't hurt that that it requires four Emrakul, which is already a very expensive card. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of Scion of Draco to drain through, too. There's the borderless version as well. So, looking over at this Pioneer Challenge uh, on May 2nd as well, um, we have Mono Red. With three Chandra dressed to kill, four Bone Crusher Giant, four Den. This is much more of a mid rangey uh, red deck than a burn deck. Um, taking down first Chandra, continuing to do a lot of work there, and she has been edging up pretty much in all versions over the last month as a result. You've got Mono Green in second, the stalwart of the format, four Karn the Great Creator, four Cavalier of Thorns. Foils of that were one of my picks last week, and they will indeed get there. Four Nykthos, Shrine to Nyx. 
Uh, third place was a black-red mid-range deck that had four Fable of the Mirror Breaker from Neon Dynasty, two Kalidas, two Croxa, and a bevy of the usual suspects. Blue-red control in fourth, uh, four Narset, Parter of Veils, four Thing in the Ice, three Dig Through Time. Blue-white spirits in fifth, and blue-white spirits with Collected Company in seventh. Winota in sixth, and a, a very similar mono-red deck to the first place deck in eighth. Reasonably diverse format, looks fine. It's certainly more narrow than modern, but that's to be expected. Yeah, um, I love the uh, four of Kumano Faces Kazakhan. The 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 uncommon saga. Um, just yeah, I'm the, sure. I'm sure you like I have lost to that plenty of times in draft. I've played it a bunch and lost to it a bunch. It's true. And just an even twenty land and twenty uh, exactly twenty creatures just makes me happy. I know there's not twenty instants and sorceries, but uh, you know, anytime you get that that clean cut, just makes me happy. The perfect ratio. Yeah. So moving on over to the top paper movers of the week, plenty of action uh, related to. Hot new commanders, uh, cards that activate other cards based on Streets of New Capenna. There's been quite a lot of early speculation activity around NCC and SNC. Um, we've got Obnix List, the adversary foil etched, going from 155 or so. And I think we were, I was grabbing them for 135 with the 10% discount that uh, TCG Player offered last Friday. Um, going up to about 240 250 over the weekend and then floating back down to about 205 so up on the whole 33 percent or so i would expect that to keep sliding from there down towards the 170 or 180 plateau and then maybe start to reverse course and edge up especially if you start seeing ob top eight and modern um and you know play in standard and pioneer seems all but assured um there's some very nasty things that can be done, for instance, with Ob uh, and Essica's Chariot, because the Chariot can copy Does that the work? Ob. Yeah, you can copy the Ob token. No. How does it know how much to come in for? Whatever the original... No, he's got a loyalty when he comes in. You end up with three, not four, when you cast a second Ob. When you copy the... As long as you copy the token with the essicas you just end up you you were expecting three and get three yeah um but yeah because the tokens are are immune to the legendary rule that's amazing that's so good so that's a lot of obs <laughs> it is that's a lot to keep track of when you know this you have the attraction deck you know having multiple planeswalkers in play feels like a homework assignment i'm actually curious whether the grease fang slash consulate dreadnought deck in modern could make use of ob because that dreadnought is a seven eleven, and I guess the oh, the discuss. Oh, I see where you're going I, with this. And I guess the, so. Your ob's going to come in with really big loyalty. Off well, the you're going to be able to immediately ultimate it to make target player draw seven and lose seven. Yeah, the the thing is, if you have a seven eleven on board that's unchallenged, are you really looking to mess with that? Well, you're going to Greasefang bounces it back to your hand at the end of the turn. Yeah, so I guess you're, what you're looking to do is bring it in, swing once using your innate combo, and then ob to avoid, to sack it and put it back in the yard. So then Greasefang can grab it again, is that right? Well, Greasefang doesn't uh, turn it into a creature. It returns target vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, but it doesn't like... 
uh, crew the creature automatically. So I'm not sure what the next step in the combo is. What what was being used in the Grease Fang deck to crew? Must be something I, I'm missing that's obvious. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. But uh, I look forward to seeing like this four-card monstrous combo come together. Because you hit for seven, you oh, make them draw. Was it just that they grab Consulate Dreadnought? Sorry, uh, not Consulate Dreadnought. They grab Parhelion. Oh, Parhelion's Angel, a winner. Make Angels right away, and then the Angels crew the Dreadnought later? Well, you don't need anything if you manage to throw Parhelion out there, because uh, with Parhelion gets to attack and give you the two Angels. Like, you, you get the Angels, you get the Parhelion back, and it, it gives you the Angels immediately, right? Not when it attacks? Yes. The, but the, the Dreadnought needs six to crew. So it's... And Grease Fang is four? Grease Fang is four. So that's that's yes. that's where it goes. So you go Grease Fang to get back Parhelion, crew the Parhelion, attack for 12... Uh, let's see, 13 flying. And uh, then if you really need some shenanigans with your, um, with your Consulate Dreadnought, then you can go to town. I have to go back and look at the Grease Fang, the, the Consulate Dreadnought included list to figure out the sequence, because I've watched it on stream, but it was about six weeks ago. Um, bottom line, Obnix's list is looking pretty good in constructed formats. It's certainly going to see some play in EDH, because it can do... Just getting two Planeswalkers that they have to deal with individually is good there. And will the etched foils end up like the Wandering Emperor, which is currently around $300 a copy... Uh, is the most I've sold one for in the last couple weeks, but I think TCG player has slid back down the scale to 220 or 230. So I think this is this is kind of what we tend to see with these high-end foil etched uh, walkers that they've been churning out lately. They surge hard on the back of speculative demand and some players and collectors that want to get them early, and then they slide back down as people that open them get nervous and post them for sale below whatever the existing price is because they don't want to miss their their window of opportunity to sell which then creates a natural cascade sliding back the other way and eventually that will be overwhelmed by you know a slow plotting curve of demand that will push it back up the chain like i I would imagine the wandering emperor foil etch has to be 300 plus by this time next year so be be curious to check in with that down the road um so I think that the play with Ob was buy it last Friday, flip it this week, and then look for an, an, another entry in another month once the price gets softer. I guess. It's my best guess. Mm, Moving right along, right. we've got Bone Crusher Giant Showcase non-foils out of Throne of Eldraine. Uh, $3 to $4. Not a huge grab here, but uh, Cliff had called it out on episode 318 to go to th- from 2 to 3.5. I don't think the showcases are have strong buy list support yet. If I'm not mistaken, um, so that's what I would be looking for to get out on something like this. But Bone Crusher Giants slash Stomp sees tons and tons of play in, in Pioneer, um, right. and will con- will continue to do so. So if you believe in Pioneer, there there could definitely be some upward momentum here. Academy Manufacturer out of MH2 foils going. Uh, I think that's foil extended arts. If I'm not mistaken, um, going from ten to sixteen. Uh, on the back of tons of treasure stuff showing up in Streets of New Capenna, you got bootlegger stash and all sorts of other nonsense where your lands start tapping for three kinds of tokens per tap. Very, very nasty. It's, and then you get uh, uh, Ginny Fang into play, and then the sky is the limit. 
I built Corvold last weekend and ran it in the weekly testing session with the pro traders on Saturday night, and it performed very well. Uh, and Bootlegger's stash was indeed uh, well deserved in that deck. It did a ton of work. Um, yeah, there's a lot of synergies to abuse. Yeah, so Corvold, like, for, I think what I did was I only had a one land opening hand, and <laughs> I held the land. Discarded a card off my draw. Discarded Goldspan Dragon. Next turn, played a land. Drew a land. Turn three, played the second land. Persisted the Goldspan Dragon and then proceeded to go off. Okay. Because the turn after that, I had Bootlegger Stash in play. And then things got nasty from there. So, not surprisingly, Corvold foils from uh, that were from the Brawl decks, I believe which is a term people have probably already forgotten about. It was a format Wizards was trying to push around the release of Throne of Eldraine that has long since been since been forgotten. But Corvold went from about 16 to 30, um, likewise on people looking to leverage all the fresh new Capenna stuff that works well with it. Um, Corvold loves it when you sacrifice things, and there are plenty of cards with key interactions in the new set. I mean, Corvold's one of the top commanders, and we just got like the the six mana uh make all your lands into Corvold's favorite snack so you know this makes a lot of sense i i wouldn't have uh expected it to go crazy but now that it has you know that makes a lot of sense Corvold is the sixth most played or most built commander of the last week on edh rec despite it it not being part of the new set um the top Commanders from NCC, SNC are Angelo the Painter is sitting at 506, Giada's at 498, second place, and Jetmir is in uh, rank 7 at 450 decks. Then you have Henzi Toolbox Torre in ninth at 430, and Rafine Scheming Seer at 407. Uh, so you've got Beamtown Bullies down at rank 11, 405 decks, Ginny Fay gaining some ground at 382. I'm on record both in the Discord and on Twitter, that I think Ginny Faye is actually just the best tokens commander, period. Not just in her colors, but period. Um, people are still arguing that Jetmir is a better commander, but having played against Ginny Faye like six times now, I'm quite confident in the analysis. I think, um, and then we'll, we'll get back to all the, the other stuff, I think it comes down to like, do you want your commander to come down and end the game? Or do you want your commander to, like, interact in a lot of fun ways that you might not be expecting? So, like, everything that makes tokens is great with Jenny Faye, whereas uh, Jetmir is just, like, you get a, a whole bunch of creatures, you play Jetmir, and you kill the table. He's a crater hoof see, in your command zone. See, here's the key argument for my that I've been laying out. Jenny Faye is a one-card one combo with everything else in your deck. Yes. The point of it, the token deck wants to go wide and then apply a buff, whether it's Jetmere or Overrun or Crater Hoof or whatever, and get in. And Ginny Fane makes sure you get to that point because everything else in your deck is generating the tokens that turn into the creatures that set up the attack. Jetmere doesn't do that. On an empty board, if you get wiped and you've got and then you're recasting Jetmere, A, he costs more. B, he doesn't bring tokens with him. So he's relying on the rest of his deck. And the cards that go in Jetmere, nothing really synergizes with Jetmere. In, a, in the way that everything syner- synergizes with Ginny Fay, 
And so you want Jetmir in the Ginny Fay deck as part of the 99, and maybe you're going to tutor it up or whatever at the appropriate time. But Ginny Fay does work every turn. And the other problem with Jetmir we noticed was once it, at one point the Ginny Fay player had Jetmir in play with Ginny Fay and went for the Alpha Strike. Well, Jetmir's attacks are not triggers. They are static. Right. So mid-attack, if you kill Jetmir, their whole plan falls apart. Yeah. Suddenly they're they're not they're not attacking with ten fours with ridiculous abilities. They're just attacking with three ones, and you can handle the situation. So it's e- pretty easy to get blown out with Jetmir. Whereas Ginny Fay is cheap enough that even when we kill her a couple of times per game, which we have to because she threatens to go off on any given turn that you leave her alone past turn five, um, they're just going to recast her because they're going to get a. Three, five, and seven is a lot easier than four, six, and eight. Right. If you have other things you want to do on the turn, so I, I'm convinced that people are, will eventually figure this out. That Jenny Fay is a very busted commander, um, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, for now, it's not. I mean, it's Giada Font of Hope that's out in front of all the rest. So, thing about that deck is, I don't actually think Giada's a very interesting deck. Ah, uh, what? Come on. You don't need it to be interesting. You just want all your sweet angels. Like angels haven't had a good commander. Sure, but if if a deck if a deck doesn't have a reputation of playing well, then the casual angel fans will only take the related specs so far. The something like Atraxa that has a million different ways to build it. You can very easily put your personal stamp on that deck. Um, has the legs that it has because of that flexibility and malleability. Giada isn't like that. Giada's only contribution to the game is that it makes angels bigger and costs less. And that's... And you're you're stuck with mono-white angels. You don't even get to use the black and white ones or the red and white ones, which is where some some of the most interesting angels are. So... There are literally 157 angels to choose from. And, and counter to my point, the, the most popular themes by tribe, angels are number, we looked at this shortly ago, uh, they are number 11. After zombies, elves, dragons, vampires, humans, goblins, wizards, slivers, dinosaurs, and cats. I love that dinosaurs is so high on that list. <laughs> yeah, um, I, just... I, I think that like you're right, that this is a very linear deck. Uh, Jada tells you exactly what to do. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think having a commander that comes down so early makes all your stuff cheaper and better, like, wins all around. Like, yes, it is not, like, groundbreaking uh, card advantage tech, but it is, like, true to the spirit of the thing where you're just going to cram 60 of your favorite angels in there and just be like, angel, 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 and... The, the Giada player at our pod, in our pod this weekend did exactly that, cast an angel every turn. They got pretty big. They tried to play World Slayer so that they could swing and kill everybody with uh, the indestructible angel on the table. Avacyn. Uh Yeah. and That's a combo. I like that. It was cute, but it was easily dealt with because you know, the rest of the table just had to negotiate who was going to use point removal to get, the, get it dealt with one force of vigor later and their plan fell apart meanwhile Ginny Faye was swinging for like 60 or something so the Giada's cool there's probably there are, I'm not surprised there are specs going off but I, I just don't 
if you're looking for a deck to build, if you think you've got an interesting Giada list, feel free to send it our way to prove me wrong. But I, I suspect that this will not be uh, a beloved commander outside of the people that are interested in angels just thematically. Okay. Um, moving along. Hallowed, Hallowed Fountain out of Dissension, original uh, Shockland, 26 to 44. It's just the original printing, and there's a lot of blue-white control getting played, and you need those in both Pioneer and uh, Modern, because even though Pioneer doesn't have fetch lands, they do have Shocklands. Uh, Corvold, we talked about. Yogmoth ran Physician Foils out of Time Spiral Remastered. Old Border Foil, 230 to 425. They are basically drying right up on the back of the black-green Yogmoth deck, needing four copies of this in Modern, and uh, it's still being a popular commander and card in EDH. In fact, it killed the table in Chatterfang on turn six or something this weekend in one of the games. Goody. Um, because they had, I want to say it was not Viserys here. It was Blood something artist. Blood, uh, blood artist. Just blood artist. Yeah, that's the one that drains when a creature dies. Correct. Yeah. So they were sacking stuff, and then they would get a token from somewhere, and then Yogmoth would sack that token. Which would drain the table for one, and then yeah, they just had it was a four card combo, and they were just infinite. Yeah, there's a there's a few of those. Cavalier of Thorns, non foils, seven to fourteen. That's Winota Pioneer driving that. Master of Ceremonies, extended art, four to nine dollars. I'm going to call this speculation because the stats on EDH Rec aren't that high for this card yet. We talked it up quite a bit in the Discord in terms of I think it's a really great group hug card, and I think that very much like. Um, protection racket the multiple triggers per upkeep is a lot more value than people realize a lot of these other cards that they they aimed at commander out of the capenna products um, check what any player does and reward you at end of turn smuggler stash is like that and that blue card what's it called ledger shredder Okay, the one where two spells and you connive? Yeah. Okay. But that's two spells from anyone on any turn. Right. So anybody that double double spells on anybody's turn um, rewards the Ledger Shredder player. And people were just talking about, in the, about that card in the Discord, asking why the, extent, the foil extended arts had taken off so hard, because I think they were drained down to six listings, lowest price is about $10.00. Um, which is pretty crazy for first week of release, right? For a card that shows medium good to strong stats on EDH Rec so far. Arguably might be the best looter in EDH. Uh, maybe maybe Jacefin's Prodigy is, is better. Yeah, I th- there's, there's good looters, man, but I don't know. I'd have to do some real in-depth looking at looting. Yeah, I mean, the deal here is that you could end up looting two or three times in a turn cycle. Okay. Right, because if on your turn you cast two cards, then you get a trigger. And if anybody, say one of those cards that you cast triggers somebody else to do something, they counter your spell and then they do something at the end of your turn, you're going to get another trigger. And then on somebody else's turn, they cast two spells and you get another trigger. And that's not too crazy of a setup. I would guess you probably average something like 1.5 to 2 activations per turn cycle. That is pretty good. Right, which is which is... 
a pretty strong looter because it's looting twice per turn. Um, for no mana. For no mana, that's on the thing. a two mana creature. Right, and if you're discarding non non uh, non land spells, then that one three flyer is getting bigger and bigger as well, and giving you a solid blocker and potential attacker. Um, so some of this stuff seems to be popping off a little early. Uh, Master of Ceremonies, likewise, I don't think is a proven card yet. Group hug strategies certainly exist, but I wouldn't say that they are core strategies in EDH. Um, so that one and the Red Room Treasurer, if, that, if I've got that name correctly, the one that gives you um, treasures on, on, on your, yeah, in like something like uh, Ginny Fay, on your first two tokens per turn, you're getting treasures back, which is very, could be a net zero transaction. Uh, and then on the third one, you start getting to fireball things. So third and beyond, actually, right? Right. It's not just the third trigger. It's third. It's third. Third and beyond. and beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean that that card seems very interesting to me as well, but I'm not sure to what extent they will catch on. Cards to keep an eye on. Um, just be aware that there's a lot of speculation going on around the set, which is uh, obfuscating prices in the first week, I think. Amiria, the Sky Ruin, Foil, Land out of Zendikar. Uh, I have ZNR here, but that's not true. It's original Zendikar. Uh, going from 40 to 90, probably on the back of Giada. I would imagine people are looking to, we're looking to include this in the I hot mean, new mono white commander. It needs nine, uh, seven planes, and then yeah. you're just getting stuff back for free. It's mono white deck, and Giada is the culprit. Voice of Resurgence out of Double Masters, 6 to 15. That's on the back of Winota, for sure. Uh, they run four copies in Pioneer. And if you had got stuck with some of these in your spec box at one point when this card fell out of Modern, now is your opportunity to get out, probably not, may, may or not be getting out clean given how long you've been holding them, but at least get out <laughs> while the getting is good. Uh, Dika Fractal Theorist out of Commander 2021. This is from the Commander set this time last year. Uh, going from 4 to 15 on the back of, I'm assuming, Errant the Street Artist, which is the Commander out of New Capenna that allows you to um, copy spells if they were not cast from your hand. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. And so Dika Fractal Theorist has Magecraft. It's a 3-3 for 5, Human Wizard. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a 0-0 green and blue fractal creature token. Put X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, where X is that spell's mana value. Um, so because Errant is going to copy spells, you're going to cast them from somewhere other than your hand, and then you're going to get free fractals out of it. You're getting the, um, the cast from Dika, and now you're getting a copy due to Errant, and it's a lot of mana, but that doesn't stop Commander players at all. Um, well, it, I mean, it's it's five to get the Dika on the ground, but then the yeah. triggers are free. You just the Errant triggers are going to be two. I just mean that like you're you're casting something from some zone, and you're going to get that that Dika, but then you got to like pay a blue for Errant, and then another one a blue to activate Errant. So there's a, a lot of extra mana going on with this, but it, it can be cool things. Yeah, I guess if you're cascading uh, that wasn't cast. No, Cascade still casts the spell, doesn't it? Yes, Cascade casts the spell. So it's um, 
Casualty. Casualty will will also trigger it, yes. Because you're copying the spell. And copies are not cast. So errant, like say you cast a spell, then you fork it, then you activate errant. Errant looks at the copy and copies that copy and gives you a third copy. Right. Errant will be the third copy of the spell with casualty. Correct. Right. So if you're using casualty plus a bunch of copy effects, like forking effects, that's where errant is going to shine. Yep. Uh, Segovia, I think it, doubling back to Dika, sell them. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I, think that's lo- I think that's all loose, and I don't think errant's going to be that popular. Uh, Segovian Angel foils at a Modern Horizon 1. That's just a 1-1 Angel for 1. Um, Giada for sure. Giada Sell for into sure. that as well. Yeah. Sell into that as well. That's a foil common. Dump that whenever you get the chance. Uh, it's a Modern Horizons 1 foil common, but yes, definitely. Uh, Bold Weir Heavyweights at a Morning Tide going from 2 to $8 on the back of being featured in Game Nights related to the Beamtown Bullies deck that Jimmy... Uh, uh, tabled. Boulder Heavyweights only looked medium in that scenario, as far as I'm concerned, so that is also a sell. Uh, Ebon Blade Reaper out of Onslaught went from a dollar to five dollars, and the foils took off as well. And I think the deal uh, with that is that you, you're giving somebody a card, and the Ebon Blade Reaper, uh, when it attacks, you lose half your life rounded up, and it's going to. The Beamtan Bullies gives it. Haste and goad. Um, goad. So it has to attack. Correct. And then if it deals combat damage to someone, they lose half their life rounded up. So you're, it's the ideal card to be giving away with the bullies because the person attacking is going to lose half their life and then the other person is going to lose half their life if it, if it connects, which is lovely. Now, yeah. Nothing more fun than watching the table kill each other. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty great. Almost as good as watching somebody uh, do a chef's kiss on a podcast. Etherworks Marvel out of Kaladesh foils going from five to twenty-five. Talk about a roller coaster spec. This thing was a powerhouse in standard. Was it banned in standard? I want to say it was. I'm pretty sure it was uh, banned in standard. Yes. Because people were using it to put Emrakul, the Promised End, into play on a regular basis. If I on a remember regular that correctly. basis. Yep. Yeah, and then it basically crashed when it got banned. People fooled around with it in modern, but it never really got there. Uh, it was theorized for Pioneer, but I haven't seen any decks running it in Pioneer. They seem very unlikely to return to energy as a mechanic, so it's not going to get any more support from the energy side of things. But here's the thing about Etherworks Marvel. It trigger gives you energy when things leave the battlefield on your side of the table. And so what actually matters here is that they printed a bunch of fresh cards that create treasures, which then get sacked which then give you the energy to power up the Etherworks Marvel. And just, for instance, in, say, Corvold, where I wasn't running this this weekend, but I flagged that this during the research today and realized immediately, oh yeah, this should totally be in Corvold, because once I have Stash or some other treasure or token generator on the table that I'm going to, or Cat Oven combo or whatever, it's not going to take very long at all to get an activation off the Marvel, and then I'm going to go to the top of the deck, pull off a Prosh, drop a bunch of tokens in play, sack them for value, etc., etc. It seems very good there. Uh, and so the Marvel foils are drying up again, and this is a foil mythic from a set that's five, six years old, and also a card I don't see them reprinting. Yeah, it's hard so to reprint this card with the energy mechanic. Like, they've said energy was kind of a mistake, I think they've said at some point. 
And it's really hard to put a energy sub-theme and say something like Double Masters 2. I would be very surprised if they did that because you've got to print a bunch of energy cards that are not very useful outside of their little pocket dimension. Um, so Otherworks Marvel Foils could could dodge a reprint for quite some time, would be my guess. Are you buying? Uh, well, somebody was asking, it looks late on the foils, and I'm pretty sure I have some Marvel foils stuck in the bad specs box from when it was originally popular. I'll have to double check like whether like how, how many and whether I'm correct. Um, but somebody in the Discord was, was asking, like, should we just grab some non-foils? They're like a dollar or two. The answer, probably yes. Like, if they're continuing to push treasure so hard, and just tokens in general, like, it's not just treasure, it's clues, it's uh, gold tokens that merged into treasure, then they gave us blood tokens, uh, food, they're, they're not done yet, they'll probably give us some other token down the road, and the more of that they do, especially if they give us duels that are based on tokens at some point. Oh my god. <laughs> Like they could they could easily print a land a dual land at some point that when it comes into play it generates tokens that create two colors of mana or something, mm. um, for whatever cute reason that block justifies, and stuff like Marvel and Corvold just gets better in in those scenarios. So yeah, I think taking a flyer on say handful double handful of Marvel at a dollar or two probably not the worst idea. Uh, Storm the Festival, which is a four of typically in the mono green decks and Pioneer. Um, silver screen foils from 10 to 45. Not sure how I feel about this one. This is, you know, Pioneer play enough to justify a premium version of a mono green card. Right. Like, is Storm the Festival seeing much play in on EDH Oh, um, let me look. Uh, 1,500 decks, so no, not a, not a lot of play. <coughs> uh, not a huge believer in that in that particular spec. I would sell anywhere near that level. Um, with the understanding that the silver screen stuff is rare enough that it may well... Have, have you come around on that yet? Hmm. I've bought a few here and there. Um, I think I bought a few of the dual lands not so long ago. Okay. Um... And I think there's a couple, I think like Adeline I could be convinced on and a few of the other legends that look good. Uh, like I think the white cards look better in the silver screen than some of the others. Um, I've been picky, but I've, I've grabbed a few here and there. Uh, and then we had Punishing Fire out of, uh, also out of uh, Zen, not ZNR. Uh, foils go from 10 to 50. I didn't see a legacy tournament where Punishing Fire did well this weekend, but I may have missed it. Um, it could easily have triggered something like this because these would have been relatively rare anyway. Right. And and it seems... Uh, I'm not aware of Punishing Fire seeing significant play outside of Legacy. Yeah, I mean, there's, the only, there's no major commander usage at all to speak of, so it's got to be Legacy driving that um, on a very long, slow curve. And then one of the buyouts that was very obvious this week was Grand Crescendo. This is the card that creates X citizen tokens and gives your whole team indestructible till the end of turn, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. It's an NCC card. It's a rare, not a mythic, if I remember correctly. Also true. And Grand Crescendo EAs went from 4 to 20, regulars from 6 to 50 plus. I mean, it's a buyout. This is just people buying every copy that was on the market at whatever price, and they're going to try to 
reposted at some high price tag, probably on the basis that between whether or not I'm right about Ginny Fey, between Ginny Fey and Jetmere, that's still a lot of token decks getting built um, over the next few months. And they're thinking all those decks are going to need a grand crescendo, and we are going to try to set some price memory on the card and make it a... I don't think they're expecting 50. They're probably expecting 15, 20, 25 dollars on these copies and hoping that it's going to that the next wall that the gaming company posts will be you know below whatever they've got posted at the time, but still much higher than it was the day that they bought their copies. And then that's going to create a fresh plateau and they're going to try to sell into that. Um, I'm not convinced that this card can sell very easily at 20 to 30 dollars this early on, but I guess we'll see. I mean, this this feels hellaciously early, but it's exactly what you're you're talking about. They're trying to make sure that the card never has a chance to be thought of as cheap, and that's a that's that's a psychological play as much as it is a swoop up all the copies play, and um, you know, doing this the first week when we have uh, a lot of collector boosters still to open is a uh, is a bold play, and I. We'll be curious to see how uh, Grand Crescendo shakes out over time. Well, I'm going to give you an example of a card that was almost on my cards to watch this week. I was looking at Professional Facebreaker Foil Extended Art at 15 or so. And thinking to myself, okay, Thieving Skydiver, which we've harped on a lot, is still, uh, I think it's like a $7 card now, but it was 4 or 5 for ages. Um, and sees a ton of play in EDH. And then somebody else mentioned Valakut Awakening Foil Extended Arts, which are seen in even more decks, and was also likewise sub-$10 for a long while. And then I look at something like Archmage Emeritus, which was a, a pick on this cast not so long ago, um, which is still available for $7 a year later as Foil Extended Art, and is in tons and tons of decks. Um, one of the most popular rares from uh, Strixhaven. Uh, I think we're looking at, just double-checking, 36,000 decks in the first year for Archmage Emeritus. So will those foil extended arts end up being $20 plus? Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but can I, in good conscience, recommend Professional Facebreaker at 15 for foil extended arts when it's probably about as popular as Archmage Emeritus and a year later those are seven? Yeah. I mean, I know Professional Facebreaker is going to get there, but I find it hard to believe that 15 is the correct entry point. I just, I, I have a, a strong preference about uh, not getting in on cards the first weekend. I realize I'm missing out on some opportunities, but like, I need to let cards settle down. I have been burned too many times, and I'm willing to let those few opportunities go by moving in too quick. And that's, that's just my choice on how I do it. There's a, a lot of people on the Discord who uh, are ready to like dive in right away, and that's that's not a style I'm comfortable with personally, but uh, kudos if you feel ready to, to make some moves that way. I don't mind diving in early on something like foil etched at this point if we have a solid paradigm that has already been demonstrated whereby that card will, within the time frame that I want to be exited, say a year to 18 months, um, it's going to show solid returns. And there's a chance I'm going to get out in the first four weeks for ridiculous returns. That's I'm totally comfortable with that paradigm. But foil extended arts are not foil etch mythics. Foil extended art rares are significantly less rare than foil etch mythics. So, and given what I've seen 
happened with a bunch of these other foil extended art rares over the last couple of years where they the buy, correct buy-in seems to be between five and ten dollars even on the best ones up to a year out sometimes longer and then within the next year or two of that you're going to get some very strong returns you know doubles or triples but i don't know man i mean face facebreaker got played in the Ginny Faye deck this weekend it looks good it's a good card um it works very well in the treasures matter strategies um but 15 for foil extended art seems early to me so i've i have held off on putting it on my list for the week uh, but it will absolutely be a card to watch at some point now moving on over to the top magic online movers of the week We've got all sorts of stuff taking off hard and fast uh, mostly from streets of new capenna rafine's tower new uh, esper triland going from four tickets to eight and a half 107% gains there on multi-format play. Righteous Valkyrie out of Keltime went from $1.5 tickets to 4.5 tickets. 208% gains on the back of Angels in Standard and Giada uh, in Commander, because uh, unlike Arena, you can play Commander on Magic Online. Obnixilis the Adversary, of course, went from 17 tickets to 95 tickets. <laughs> 77 ticks per copy. 441% gains. I would argue that this is a bit of a a red herring in the data because I would imagine the number of people that got Obnixilis's anywhere near 20 is probably very, very low because so many people needed to test out the card at the same time on the same day for the same tournaments that it probably moved up. You know what I'm saying? Because every transaction that goes through a bot on Magic Online ratchets the price up. If in that time space that bot has experienced more purchasing than selling, the price is automatically going to start stepping up. So if you have every, you know, say goat bots that runs 15 or 20 bots at a time, if every one of those is being engaged pretty much constantly over the course of an hour with people buying OB, it's going to step up so quickly that I would imagine like average buy-in price was probably closer to 40, 50, 60 tickets than it was this lower amount. Like that might be the price it started at, but... Didn't take long for it to ratchet. Um, even still, pretty crazy uh, that you know you might have picked up the card, say at forty tickets. Maybe you top eight at your tournament and got some value there, and then you could flip the obs kind of same week and pay for the next month's worth of worth of drafting. Pretty nice. That is pretty uh, nice. Likewise, unlicensed hearse, uh, which is the graveyard uh, anti graveyard tech card out of Streets of New Capenna went from 0.3 tickets to 5.3, so 1,600% gains. Uh, I only found it being used in decks for Pioneer and Legacy so far, um, so I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but it's entirely possible that it's slotting into standard decks and Pioneer decks, and I just haven't picked up on the standard decks yet. And that, uh, and maybe it just filled a gap in the format that uh, you know, pretty much everybody playing the format had to go out and buy one or two copies. That sounds about right. I mean, that's, you know, there's nothing that feels better than, you know, 1,500% gains. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely been some action in the Pro Trader Discord this weekend uh, around Magic Online specs, uh, shorting cards from New Capenna and buying specs that they think are going to be long-term gainers. Certainly something to check out if you are joining Pro Trader in the near future. Okay, moving on over to cards to watch, stuff that we like. This is such a softball. I almost feel guilty. Well, we're going to talk Clint, about, you know, the Clint. details of it later. 
yeah, claiming this as a as a spec because it's just so such easy money. But I mean, we're not here to be original. We're here to be correct as much as we possibly can. So the new secret layer that was revealed today for Pride has a ton of good cards in it. You, it is I think fifty percent of the proceeds are going to a uh, Pride-related charity uh, or program, and that is certainly a feel-good if you are throwing some money at it. You can get the regular versions for $40 and the foil versions for $50. And like the Black is Magic layer last year, I suspect that this one will be both very popular, but also will mature relatively quickly with an exit making itself apparent within 6 to 18 months after release, I would imagine. It looks like a slam dunk to me. Buy them at 50 sell them at 90 or so. Call it 12 months out, and I think you will probably do pretty well. We're going to get into uh, the details of why this is a good pick, but yes, uh, this is very straightforward. You should buy it uh, for a host of reasons, and uh, I, I cannot support this idea more. We'll, we'll get into it. Talk, talk to me about this next uh, pick, because I was debating whether I was going to slide this into Corvold this weekend. Okay. Um, my pick is Jadar, the Ghoul Caller of Nephalia, the two drop out of Midnight Dawn, one in the black for 1-1. One, one. At the beginning of your end step, if you do not control a creature with Decayed, put a 2-2 zombie with Decayed into play. Um, the, I, I recently built an Ayara deck, and this card is ridiculous in Ayara, first of all. But it's ridiculous anywhere you want a free sacrifice every turn. And where it's especially going to be spicy is um, Anhelo. Is that how I say his name? Um, Anhelo? Anhelo? And hello. I'm not I, sure. Not. I'm not. I'm not sure. 100. percent But all right. Well, the so painter, far I've been saying and hello. Uh, he's got. He's the the new guy in uh, in the the Maestro's Commander deck. And the first instant or sorcery you spell each turn has casualty two. So it's important that you get a two draw a two power creature to sacrifice. Now um, I'd be willing to listen if you wanted to do Ghoul Caller's Procession, which gives you a two two with decayed every time something dies, a non token dies, I should say. But getting this free trigger over and over again is pretty ridiculous. Uh, so I'm picking Jadar. Um, I wanted to go for the double feature foils, but there's three on TCG right now uh, for like $12. And then uh, where am I at on my uh, windows? Uh, $12 and then one for 40 and then one for like $20,000. So the foils are not there. <laughs> I, on I'm buying that one. I know, right? That's direct at work. Um, I just think that this card has a lot of play and a lot of different things. It's already in 7,000 decks. Um, there's no big walls on the showcase, which is the uh, alternate art black and white from Midnight Dawn or Midnight Hunt. And uh, I'm picking them to go from about $2. And I think they're going to hit hard. I'm picking them to hit 8 bucks on the showcase foils within the next 6 to 12 months. How deep is the inventory right now on the version you're calling? The version I'm calling, let me bring up Jadar, that version, uh, the showcase version, in foil near mint, right now, has 67 listings, and in terms of people with 4 or more, there's only 3. One of them has 10, 4, and 5. And so what was the call? 1 to what? Two to eight. I think it's ambitious. If you told me you were going to go two to five 
I'd probably believe you. Okay, we'll um, say two to five. I, I would imagine that the Byla support is still pretty weak on these. Um, looks like showcase foils on Card Kingdom. They're only offering forty-five cents. So I don't know if we can one hundred percent trust the data on EDH Rec this week with most popular commanders, but according to this data. And Hello the Painter is the number one built commander of the week. Uh, this is also a sneaky good commander because, as you said, anything that can give you a two power creature virtually on command is going to be very good in the painter. And something like Ophiomancer is generally better in terms of generating tokens to sack and something like Corvold because you get one every upkeep right. as opposed to once per turn cycle. But those tokens are not one are not two twos; they're one ones. Yeah, um, there's a, a lot of cards that are close. Like I said, you know, Ghoulish Procession will get you one every turn as long as something dies, because it doesn't have to be yours on Ghoulish Procession. But uh, it's just a lot like um, Ophiomancer, where you want something free to sacrifice. This will give you something free. How, how, how are the Jajar stats on EDH Rex so far? It looks like, as a commander, pretty minimal. And then, as a card, 7,500 decks. Let's take a look at which commanders are involved. We have Anhelo, Hidetsugu, uh, Jaren, Eloise, Nefalia Sleuth, Ayara, first of Lockwain. That makes a lot of sense because Ayara taps the so sack of black creature. Uh, so relatively wide play, like even in things like Yogmoth, Savra, Lysolda, um, even in Chatterfang. And will help. Yeah, okay. I, I still think that I feel comfort, more comfortable with five or six than eight in the time frame in question, given how much inventory is left. Sure. Um, I'll, uh, I'll bump that down to six if that makes you feel a little better about it. Well, hopefully just sets a more realistic target for the for the listeners. Um, but I think the card's great. And I think the, you know, the silver screen foils, if they're that low, um, you snap them off if you see them dirt cheap. The, the one cautionary point with things like this is if they are connected to mostly to the popularity of, of a single commander, you want to watch out. Like, I think a lot of the, the stuff for Giada, you know, outside of the Giada hype window, and keep in mind we have Commander Legends 2 and then Double Masters 2 coming back to back on each other. Then we have Brothers War and uh, Dominaria United in the fall. It's going to be a very busy rest of the year. So no one commander is going to get... Uh, much time in the spotlight. Uh, and indeed, we, we tend to see these kind of three or four month cycles where people are, except for the very, very best of the commanders, so like Prosper from last summer, it's tough for, you know, the even the third or fourth best commander from a standard set to still be in the spotlight six months later. Um, but because Jadar has played again across, you know, 10 or 15 different commanders... Maybe it gets there. Um, I have a kind of a similar pick in the sense that it is about a specific theme. Uh, Rabble Rousing is a card that I spotted early on, thought was probably better than people gave it credit for. We've seen it. We've tested it two weekends in a row now in Ginny Faye uh, decks in Commander, and it's done a ton of work every time it hits the table um, because it advances the game plan of creating, you know, you have... Th you might have four 2-2 two, two haste cats from the turn before. And you attack 
you drop the rabble rousing, you attack with those cats, that generates four three ones instantly because it doesn't give you the citizen tokens. Ginny Faye turns them into whatever she wants. So now you're attacking for, you were attacking for eight, now you're attacking for six, 12, 20, plus whatever other buffs you have going on. And then once you're attacking with, uh, is it nine, 10 creatures? I can't remember off the top of my head. Isn't it 15? Uh, no, I'm thinking of... Um, you're talking of Halo Fountain? Uh, Halo Fountain, yeah. This one triggers off 10. 10 creatures attacking, which is a lot easier than you think in in the token decks. Um, you get to cast whatever card you hit away under it. You get to look at the top five cards for that hideaway and put usually something like a Jetmere or a Crater Hoof or whatever. I was going to say Overrun, um, yeah. And, and that hideaway trigger happens as you attack. So... You double the tokens, and then if there's 10, you, you go pull that thing and slap it on top. And so that can just knock somebody right out of the game. Um, you can currently get Rabble Rousings for about a dollar, $1.25, $1.50, depending on where you're buying them. And I think to argue that as a buy list play, you're going to get in on these near a dollar and out near three within, say, something like a year and a half seems pretty likely to me if the token decks stay popular. And because we have both Ginny Faye and Jetmere contributing to popularity, uh, I think they have a decent chance. I mean, tokens are one of the, the evergreen themes in Commander, and getting two new sweet things, sweet commanders for tokens is making this a, a pretty safe one. I love picking up anything at a dollar and planning on uh, buy listing them out for uh, a couple bucks more. And uh, if you can get it this cheap, I, I'm all for it. Uh, we're going to get a lot of these uh, and the different uh, products that get opened and dollar sounds perfect uh, i'm in all the way you also have a whole bunch of other commanders that will care about this card you have Ginny Faye and jetmere but you also have fabine you have kit kanto you have rigo streetwise mentor you have benny brax you have uh uh rafine ishin adeline thelise there's and ishin Amaris. triggers this <laughs> Yeah, if a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So if you ha are doing Ishin go wide, then your 5 turns into 10, turns into 20. Because it's going to, I think on each trigger resolution, it's going to count and double. You're going to get two, uh, you're going to get, instead of getting one, you're going to get two. So Two triggers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just not sure when they when they count what how much how many they're doubling, whether it's on the addition of the trigger to the stack or on resolution. But either way, you're going to end up with a pile, a huge pile yeah. of tokens. It's it's awesome. And then and like Adeline is a very popular uh, card and commander, uh, decently popular commander, not super popular. Um, but, but bottom line, if you're in white plus tokens, rabble rousing is just a fantastic fit. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to be a buy list play in a, one of my rare non-foil selections on cast. Well, uh, let me pick a foil to, uh, to to bring things back to where you're used to them being. Um, okay. I know we've talked about some uh, singles from Secret Layers before, but uh, I think we're at the point where I'm ready to buy a couple uh, Shieldred Phyrexian foils for around $14. Uh, her price has been really high in the past. Uh, you know, she's in 34,000 commander decks, and people, you know, went chasing those backwards Viscerous Ears, and there's a, a lot of copies that have got put on the market, 
and I think the time is right to get in and hold on to it for 12 to 18 months and get out in the 30 to 35 range. Yeah, I like this one. Shieldred Foil Phyrexian is very nice. It's a very popular commander. Uh, total Shieldred uh, instances on EDH rec is something like 35,000, 34,000. Yeah. So these will get there. I don't know that we have to get in here right now. I think somewhere in the next three months, like if you get in right now, you can get 12 or $13 copies. If you wait a few months, you can probably get 14 or $15 copies. And you know, time value of your money, you figure it out where you want to be there. But these are probably future, what did you put, 35? Yeah, they're at least 25 or 30, $30 cards in the next 12 months, I would imagine. Uh, there's no resupply on these folks. Like, this is the one time this specific version of Shouldered will be printed. At some point in the future, they'll give you a foil borderless version of this card, uh, maybe with cool new art, but the Phyrexian foil is still going to be, you know, at least on par with whatever they give you in future would be my guess. Plus we're going to get uh, a new Shieldred sometime in the next few sets. Like we haven't yep. gotten new Shieldred yet. We haven't gotten new Aleshnorn yet. And uh, when that happens, you know, everybody like, oh yeah, Shieldred, Shieldred's awesome. I should get another copy or two. Uh, well, we won't get we won't get one on Brothers War because Brothers War happens in the past. So unless they're time traveling Phyrexians, which is not totally... Listen, I'm this this is wizards, man. But let's not rule anything out on what they want to do with their stories and whatnot. Well, it could be real cute if the whole thing with brother the whole you know, the plot device for Brothers War is that they're gonna go back and change the past. Cause it could be a whole thing where like they change which brother wins the war or something. And that changes the future. Um we'll see. Uh I think this is a good one. Uh yeah, to double up, say, 14 to 30, I think, is a very safe pick. Uh, my next one here, I think, is a great card um, that has fantastic stats since it was printed. The There isn't a huge amount of meat on the bone here, so I see this as more of a grab one of these now for your collection slash deck, and then check in in a year or two and see if it's worth selling. I suspect that this printing of this card is the only one you're ever going to see, Uh and it seems like the kind of card to me that could dodge a reprint of any kind for several years. I guess Secret Layer being the, the most likely place for it to show up. But I, I don't have any particular reason off the top of my head why they would jump in on this. The card I'm talking about is Sakashima of a Thousand Faces. Foil etched copies can be had under $40 right now on TCG Player, but we're down to just 38 listings. These were printed in Commander Legends. You got them in collector booster boxes. Those booster boxes are now six hundred dollars plus on TCG Player. I sold my last one for uh, six oh nine sixty nine. Yeah, completely ridiculous. Um, so it's not easy to source these from sealed products. So nobody's going to be doing that. And this card is important for a couple of reasons. Uh, it has partner, and they will give us additional partner cards in future. Right. So people will find reason to add it as one of their two commanders. And it also just doubles your access to your best creature or your commander. And the commander uh, use case is especially interesting because if you have the kind of commander that is important to your game plan, where your deck doesn't really function properly unless your commander is on board, 
and you happen to be in blue, then Sakashima gives you uh, a setup to ensuring that you've got at least one copy in play um, because it gives you a backup copy. It's a 3-1 for 4, legendary creature, human, rogue. Uh, and when it enters the battlefield, you can have it copy another creature you control, except it has Sakashima's abilities, and the legend rule doesn't apply to permanents you control. So not only does it set up mirror gallery type effects across your rest of your board, um, allowing you to copy other legendary creatures with other copy and clone effects, but it can double the creature that is most important to you. And if that, that uh, card in question happens to have triggers or something that tend to create havoc on the board state, you're going to get double triggers. Um, if you need to be able to use the activated ability or you just want to make sure that you've that backup copy is going to uh, get some swift foot boots or a lightning greaves on it or something to give you make sure that you can get through the turn cycle without losing your key card sakashima does all that stuff uh, i use it in my ninjas decks uh, for the most part i have it in yuriko and satoro and i've been very happy with it there 40 to 60 is my modest proposal for where this is likely headed in the next year but it could be 40 to 80 um, just depends on how quickly people drain them out of the market. It, it's weird because etched cards were looked down upon at the release of Commander Legends, but they're actually the only cards in those CBs that don't curl. It's true. I was, was going to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, other than the extended arts. So they can go. They can be sleeved without hesitancy because they, they, they don't turn into Pringles in, in low humidity. And... Because some of the other etched cards lately, like the Wandering Emperor and now Obnixilis, have become premium collectibles and very sought after in the 200 to $300 range, I think people are going to start... I think the association of etched being subpar is going to start to slide away. And there's still going to be some snobs that, are, that look at, say, Modern Horizons 2 foil etched uh, fetch lands and consider them like the worst of all options. Um, but some of these cards where the best version available of the card, like Sakashima, happens to be a foil etched, uh, I suspect are going to continue trucking up the curve. Yeah, I mean, these are uh, in great demand. This is uh, exactly the commander you want to partner something silly with, so you can get a second copy of your original sweet uh, partner commander. And uh, I think you're right about where it's going to grow. There's just not a lot out there and there's not going to be more you've got uh 38 total listings and nobody's got quantities there's one person who's got uh 10 copies at 130 dollars who's uh gonna get 130 in what two or three years if we don't get any kind of additional copies of this somewhere um i'm not super worried about this being in you know, Commander Legends 2 or anything like that, but um, I think 40 to 60 on this is super reasonable and get your personal copies now. Well, it's definitely not in Commander Legends 2 because Commander Legends 2 happens in Baldur's D&D Gate, right. world. Yeah. On Baldur, in Baldur's Gate. So you're not going to see any repeat Listen, characters from Magic we Gathering have, over We there. have had the Mystic Archive. We have had the Godzilla stuff. We have had walking deads and all kinds of things if they really wanted to shoehorn a reprint uh subset into something they'll do it and they they won't hesitate about it if they really want to there's too many good legends 
to make cards out of in the D&D world. They don't really need to go there. It's just going to be stuff like Dockside Extortionist that fits thematically and doesn't reference anything in the magic world. Sure, I'll um, give you that. So yeah, Sakashima of a Thousand Faces, Foil Etched, 40 to 60 plus. I think you're going to be pretty good. And this next selection is definitely one of mine from like maybe two years ago, but that's like a whole sheet back, so I don't have the, the de- details in front of me. But I suspect that my original call, which was obviously quite early, given what happened with COVID plus Pioneer, um, putting that whole format on pause for two, de- two years straight, uh, I think this selection from Mastodon, one of the pro traders, is pretty much the same call I probably made two years ago. Fires of Invention, Foil Extended Arts, $10 to $20 as a Pioneer spec. There are plenty of copies in Europe in the $10 to $13 range. There's a lot less so of these on TCG Player. They are definitely drying up. Maybe Mastodon or others have already taken their swipe. But down to 12 listings, they're going to be $20 plus shortly. It's not really a commander card, so if you go in on these, you're betting on uh, Pioneer continuing to be a thing. But the Pioneer... Uh, Planeswalker decks uh, are real, and I've played ver- against versions of it uh, on Arena, and it, they are annoying for sure. And the the power level of this card is is high in in decks that can make use of it. So uh, market has already drained most of these out. It's a old spec that got stuck in people's spec boxes from a cast uh, something like two years ago. Here's your shot to either set up your exit or dig a little deeper and grab a handful or two and see if you can exit to a Pioneer player. Yep. Uh, This is a card that is going to get broken in some way. It got broken in Standard, and uh, they have already tried to do the errata thing with um, alchemy versions of it. So, you know, it... It's going to be good, and especially if you can source it at this price, like, win, win, win. Alrighty, moving on over to our weekly topic, we're going to talk about the secret layer that they revealed for Pride. Uh, Gay Pride, at least here in Toronto, Pride is usually mid-late June, and so we're getting into late spring. Pride activities tend to take place in various places all over the world. Um, Wizards big charity related secret layer for the spring this year is uh, giving 50% of all proceeds to the Trevor Project, which you can find at thetrevorproject.org. Trevor Project is the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization for LGBTQ young people. Um, I would imagine it will see a lot of use in the next few years in the U.S., given where things are headed with your politics. And so couldn't be a better moment to support a program like that. Now, why is this drop so cool? Well, first of all, they just absolutely fucking killed it with the combination of cards selected and art produced. I think by far the most uh, fantastic of the cards is none other than Bearscape. Preach. Which shows off a bunch of burly bears. For those of you that are not uh, down with the lingo in this community, bears are big, hairy gentlemen who like to keep it very very fun <laughs> and the art here is a bunch of bears <laughs> chilling in a hot tub in nature there's an actual bear off in the distance uh, somebody mentioned on twitter that one of the bears has mastectomy scars so they're going the distance on the details here um 
and the, even the flavor text is amazing. They built a refuge with their bare hands. Like a bear Just... pun isn't hard to do, but they did an excellent choice of the bear pun. Yeah. There, there's a collective voyage that looks kind of like people hanging out on a pride float. There's Heartbeat of Spring, which has Watley uh, hugging up on uh, Sahili. Uh, and the quote is, you were right, Ixalan is a paradise, said Sahili, mostly because you're here. Isn't that sweet? Um, there's a really cool looking soul ring, which is kind of hard to make out from a distance, but has a whole bunch of cool little nods to uh, the pride related communities and a fancy soul ring uh like this is absolutely going to do well so it's got There's a manic i i just want to call out uh, some of the things on here it's got uh every flag you might want it's got polyamory symbols on there it's got uh the four aces for uh those who have that as a thing we have uh the stonewall one there's so many and it's like, I'm a little bummed that this is not, like, a full art card. This deserves to be a full art card. Yeah, preach. Uh, the Mana Confluence looks like the Care Bear is hanging out, but it's actually um, uh, the pr colors from the Pride flag, and it's a Mana Confluence, so fancy Mana Confluence is going to be very popular. Um, Triumphant Reckoning has uh, excellent art as well, and then Savor the Moment is just, like, a totally sweetheart uh, gay wedding moment. Gorgeous art. It's going to be very popular. It's extra cool because Savor the Moment uh, removes your untapped step, which makes sense because those two are going to be tapping in on the next turn. Why, why even wait that long? I mean, it's Top great. to bottom. This is this is primo, yeah. And then uh, Alesha, who smiles at death, is was the first, I think, declared trans character um, or gender non-binary, I can't remember which, um, in Magic Canon, and so she's getting a whole new card, which is sick. These are going to be very popular. They're $50 for foils, $40 for non-foils. I don't know what else there is to say. Compared to the the last secret layer, the Mega Drop that's finishing up in the next week or so, uh, this is much, much more exciting. Uh, it'll be finished before this podcast goes up, James. Which is unfortunate, because there is an overlap window here where you can order say the gilded um atraxa plus drop from the super drop and these and i think you can get them on a single shipment with combined shipping um but most of you will not hear that in time which is unfortunate it sucks um, so, so if you were in the pro trader discord you would have been aware the this is a great drop it's going to do very well expect it's going to make people money nothing much much more to say there i guess I mean, the, like you said, the, the Bearscape is going to be probably the chase card. Uh, the speculation about what the um, uh, ninth card will be, you know, we got the, uh, the Hadouken Lightning Bolt in, the, secret, in the, the Street Fighter one. So what it'll be in this one is um, the heavy betting on Twitter seems to be it'll be um, uh, criminy. I can't remember off the top of my head the four color legend where um, the two guys, like one guy's got his hand, another guy's on his partner's neck. Oh, Kir from Theros. Yeah, Kirin Kirinos and Tiros. Uh, I'm saying it wrong. 
crap. Now I gotta try and remember the card name and look it up by four color. Uh, it's Kianos and Tiro of Miletus. There you go. And yeah, they make perfect sense here because they're cool gay couple in magic lore. So uh, that just makes the drop even better. One of the there's a couple things that are really nice here. Um, normal drops are thirty and forty for foils, but this is eight cards and they're all foil border. They're all borderless with new art. So the the forty and fifty dollar price points make perfect sense, and with the bonus card. I don't think you can go wrong here. I suspect actually that Soul Ring and Mana Confluence may beat out Bear Escape. Uh, but it's hard to say because I think everyone I saw, and keep in mind I, I'm in a fairly <laughs> specific silo where I have long since banned uh, people from my timeline that wouldn't agree. But in my timeline, Bear Escape is, yes, very, very popular. So I would think Bear Escape, Mana Confluence, Soul Ring... Uh, are going to go to the distance here. And I think the save for the moment art is is very strong and puts it over the top. Um, I'll have an analysis of the the drop in terms of the alternatives for the this this variety pack of cards in the Pro Trader Discord probably tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think any of these are super pricey cards, but like a foil mana confluence and a foil collective voyage. I think collective voyage hasn't had a foil yet, correct? I'd have to double check that. I'm looking right foil, now. Foil borderless mana confluence is a pretty big deal, really. Yeah. Um, and... Well, mana confluence already had the um, the uh, the Zendikar, um, not Zendik- the second Zendikar one. Uh, not. Oh my God! Why can't I remember the name of the supers of the special lands from Zendikar to expeditions? Expeditions. There's an expedition mana confluence out there. Uh, Collective Voyage has not yet had a foil. And it is in a certain number of uh, commander decks, too. Collective Voyage. Also a big group hug card. Big group hug card. It's only in 5,000 commander decks, but it's only been printed in two commander decks so far. Original commander in 2011, and again in 2016. So the supply on this was always super tiny. And if you've ever like seen somebody cast this on like turn two and everybody pays a couple of mana you just like gone from second gear to 30th gear right away in your commander game and it's a lot of fun all right well, i think that's a wrap for the show where can people find you online cliff you can find me online at uh, word of commander on twitter as well as my articles every friday on mtgprice.com you guys can find me on twitter at mtg critic as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the pro trader discord i would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just 9.99 a month or 109.99 per year you can get early access to this podcast fantastic articles by the best mtg finance minds in the business low-cost group buys and a super active discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing magic the gathering once again, I'd like to remind you that MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in the Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's finance with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Ooh, that's it for this week, James. Thanks a bunch for having me on to talk about all this. Thank you, Cliff, and we'll catch you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.